The more I shared my value of help, the more opportunities opened up, the more money I made, the more related I became to other people's influence, etc. So actually holding back your light actually is a disservice for whatever that aim is that you have to help people. If anything, you want to turn that light into a high beam. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. Broadcasting from Ventura, California, this podcast features case studies, stories, and lessons from business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs who found real solutions, real results, and real satisfaction not only with work, career, and money, but in every area of life. You'll hear how these ambitious professionals found that those who transact powerfully thrive. This episode is one in a series we call Where Are They Now? In this series, we revisit students we interviewed a few years earlier to find out what's happened since we last talked. Most of the interviews are with those who have completed our curriculum and have been practicing what we teach for some time. Here are some highlights from our previous episode. What I discovered in practice was that I could focus on the things that would not advance me and my plan and get caught up in practicing things that were not going to be beneficial. And so part of what I had to learn was what to practice. And sometimes it's the practicing of the basic things. It's like the karate kid, wax on, wax off, is what will empower your performing at a very high level. And I wasn't really going after one thing in the way that I am set up to do now. The more I focused, being a music producer, which in itself has a lot of different definitions and and so forth. But uh, when people come to me as a music producer, they're plugging into decades of experience and knowledge. and, And I'm able to be help in a way that I wasn't even present to before as a specialist in the music industry. And so as I began to communicate more and more about that specialization, the more and more my income increased. And then it started to double. And then my income started to triple. Now, you'll hear how they've continued to transact powerfully and thrive. Here's the latest interview. Marcus Bellringer-Bell is an American music producer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, singer, social media influencer, activist, and entrepreneur. Having first participated with Influence Ecology in March of 2012, we interviewed him in August of 2016 and focused on deliberate practice that most people don't and won't practice. His piano practice began at age two with his first record company by 12 years old. In his lifetime, he has marketed and promoted, produced, remixed, and written for, mentored and developed some of the world's biggest superstars and brands, including 
Nicki Minaj, Katy Perry, Snoop Dogg, Timbaland, Sony Music, Warner Brothers, Arista Records, EMI, and Universal Music. He has also created music for worldwide brands such as McDonald's, General Mills, and Peter Diamandis. Bell has also written and produced chart-topping songs for artists in Turkey, Lebanon, India, Japan, Korea, and Europe. Today, we talk about how to go from unknown to known and what it means to be well-known. After the break, we'll listen in on a webinar where co-founder Kirkland Tibbles and I talk about our career identity and how some people may not truly understand how powerful this is. Thanks for having me, John. Always good to be in conversation with you. And 2012 is when I first started taking courses with Influence Ecology. So seven years (laughs) later, wow, a lot definitely has changed in my life over the past seven years and certainly over the past three years. So it's good to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Unfortunately, people can't see us. We're seeing each other on video and, you know, I always got a big smile on my face when I speak with you. There's so much that we could contribute to people on this session. And I know one of the through lines for all that you do is a commitment that you use your own specialized knowledge to help people, to contribute to people in some way. So there are a few endeavors that you've created in order to help people. And I'd love for you to just tell us about those, especially if there are things we don't yet know about or perhaps things that have happened in the last three years. Sure. Inside of the last three years, I've started a a new company designed actually to help people go from unknown to known. And so inside of that, the name of the company is Audience Academy. Mm. About three years ago, maybe over three years now, I partner with a recording artist who happens to be a data scientist and uh, internet prodigy. And we joined forces together and combined our specialized knowledge in social media to help people elevate from success to significance. Mm. And so it's a program that we created that allows people to reach large audiences. One of the things that I've, you know, learned and and training over over the years is to seek help, (laughs) as much help (laughs) as possible to forward things. And before three years ago, I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching with celebrities, one-on-ones with developing artists, developing influencers. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Shalita, that's my partner's name, Shalita Burke, I recognize, wow, this is an an opportunity with her specialized knowledge and my specialized knowledge to really make a bigger impact. And so now that network of influencers that have participated in in our programs has reached over 4 billion impressions last month. Jesus. 4 billion. Wow. And so some of the participants have gone from just starting to having audiences of over 500,000 followers across platforms, hundreds of millions of people seeing their messages of empowerment or help. And so it's been quite a three-year journey in 
being able to express that part of myself because I've been acquainted to visibility and notoriety my entire life. And so to be able to share that with others who really want to make a difference for humanity has just met so many of my aims and goals <laughs> like that. That's great. Well, first, personally, congratulations. Really, congratulations. And good work. <laughs> I know that you're committed to that more than anything else, and it drives a great deal of what you do. And the last time we talked, we talked a little bit about your mother, quite an influencer herself in her day and in her time. I think that the, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree on that one. And you have in all that I've ever seen that you do, being committed to people, can harness their talents and share them with the world. So it's a fantastic thing to watch. Yeah, I definitely get it from my mama. And <laughs> she passed away back in September. And so I've been looking at how to have her legacy live as an example for other people who you know, want to make an impact as well. And so it's been a discovery as I've discovered letters from Martin Luther King Jr.'s family to her and uh, newspaper articles with her and Arthur Ashe, her, you know, Williams and Ashe and how they broke through White's only tennis tournaments back in the 60s and her civil rights activism. And so I, I am a living legacy of of my mother, actually. Fantastic. And you want to say your mother's name? Her name is Carolyn Bell, and she was a national tennis champion, and she was Carolyn Williams at the time, and she played great. in the U.S. Open. That's great. So mm -hmm. I think what would be useful is to let our audience know a little bit about where you are now. So there's some of what you've already mm -hmm. talked about in terms of your accomplishments, the work that you've done with mm -hmm. Shalita Burke. Mm -hmm. I've remembered a few conversations that you and I have had or where I've listened to you on some of our own program calls, where I've heard some of the accomplishments with Shalita, with some of the work, uh, in fact, some of her own music, some of the other accomplishments in social media. I'd also love to hear just a little bit about the book, because you've written a number one book. Tell us a little bit about those kind of accomplishments. And then I think I want to take this in another direction after we're done with that. Okay, sure. So... I have been at work on creating a book. It's probably been seven years <laughs> that I've been oh, wow. actually at work on creating a book that would be an all-encompassing artist development book. And so two years ago, and I've been writing the book with my mother. Mm. And so we would talk every week and really examine what it takes to be a successful recording artist in the world. And so the book that got released is actually a small piece of one chapter in that larger book. Hmm. And so the name of the book is the Bell Ringer Branding Bible. And so it is the collaboration of me and my mother. And that chapter is around basically creating identity in the marketplace for mm. recording artists. And it ended up being number one in three categories in Amazon. <laughs> and so it was so exciting to be able to share that accomplishment with my mother before she passed. 
Oh, that's um, fantastic. And yeah. And so around the time that the book came out actually was the time. So there's a mention of Cardi B inside of that book. And that was mm-hmm. right around the time that she first got released into the marketplace. And so I had been tracking her activity before the book came out. So as the book started to happen on the charts, so was Cardi B, who I, who I at the last minute put her in the book. Yeah. And then with Shalita, I also, you know, mentioned her in the book. You know, she was one of the first artists to, well, the only artist actually to create a blockchain and I'm the first producer to have a blockchain <laughs> in the world of blockchain technology. And so in the song that we had released, the EP we released charted in Billboard. And so that was uh, another accomplishment that has happened since our last podcast. And it's been quite a journey of the past three years on both my family side as well as my professional side and all these other conditions of life as life happens and as I continue to grow and develop as a human being and experience the fullness of of being alive and being ambitious about living a fulfilling life. Fantastic. What did you learn over these last three years with you know, I, I imagine that you learned a great deal from Shalita Burke, by the way, genius, very, very <laughs> gifted woman. But what have you learned over these last three years about that kind of growth and influence and attention? And what are some things to share about that? Well, before I had really been focused on being in the background and supporting others in becoming famous and known and visible. And I've been ebbing and flowing in and out of the spotlight or front stage and and backstage my entire life. And so what I decided over the past year, basically as a result of my mother's passing, she was an example of someone that was in the foreground, you know, as a national tennis champion and she got a lot of press and she moved to the background and mm. basically wasn't interested in being known. Mm. She was more interested in the groundwork of the kind of social justice activities that she was doing. And so when she passed, there's that legacy where now I'm holding with inside of one hand my own career and identity. And then in the other hand, I'm holding the legacy of my mother, who the world will know about. (laughs) (laughs) Will know about as a result of some of the activities that I'm going to take on in honor of her legacy. And I, I recognize that if you have value to offer people, just as you can one on one with someone, you can do one to millions. Yes. And I can be more help for people, the more visible that I allow myself to be. I can't say the amount of interviews that I've declined and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and opportunities that I've you know turned down for visibility. And so now I recognize that I can be more help the more people can be able to access what I have to offer 
And so it's not for fame's sake. <laughs> I'm right. not really interested in that. It's for a really truly love human beings and people. And I really want to have my life to be in service of uh, helping massive amounts of people that want to have meaning in their lives. And, and over the years, you know, I've spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on my own personal development. And I've seen a lot of the world and experienced all different types of things from grief and going through situations with the foster care system. And I've experienced a lot of different things that I can offer help as people go through their own personal journeys. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to be speaking more about those kinds of things, you know, and share more of my life with people and like that. That's great. I just did an interview with someone else. We were having a conversation and I think you and I might be able to bring something to the forefront and make something more clear, but she was concerned for being in the foreground and preferred being in the background and considered herself an aspect of a whole transaction or a whole situation. I agree. I've, I have typically come from being for something, being for some, you know, transaction, some endeavor, some initiative, some movement, if you will. And this last year, in 2018, Influence Ecology launched the Career Expedition, and we started mm -hmm. to talk about our knownness, our yeah. being known, and not just being known as in, oh, I know him, I know her, but being known for some kind of help, being known for the value of our help. And I myself yes. have experienced moving much more into the foreground in my city, in my neighborhood, yes. in my community, in my family. There's an experience of moving to the foreground, relating to myself, not as me, I could care less. So again, not about the fame, not about the ego, but more about, mm -hmm. oh, I represent something. I yes. represent a kind of help, something for people, something yes. like that, Marcus. And I can yes. see that that resonates with you. And I just want to hear your comments about that. Sure. Well, a lot of people have something about being known, yeah. have something about celebrity and fame that it's difficult, that you have to have a bodyguard <laughs> if you get too big. And if you're from a Southern African-American family, like the one that I came from, there's a, you know, don't put yourself out there too much because, you know, either of jealousies or, you know, you want to stay as humble as possible and all those types of things. And, and actually, I, I had to unlearn some of those conversations because the more I shared my value of help, the more opportunities open up, the more money I made, the more related I became to other people of influence, et cetera. So actually holding back your light actually is a disservice for whatever that aim is that you have to help people. If anything, you wanna turn that light into a high beam. <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, and, and have that high being project the value that you are of help kind of like the if you think of this the superhero characters like batman <laughs> yes. you know how how do you 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to have a bat signal for the help that you are. Yeah. And you never know what that's going to look like. You know, are you going to be that person that is going to need a bodyguard? Probably not. Probably the if you're really known in your community, if you're really known in your state, if you're really known nationally, people mostly are generous about allowing you your privacy. Yeah. Yeah, I was walking out of a coffee shop and Dave Chappelle, <laughs> uh-huh. Dave Chappelle was in the coffee sh- shop just sitting outside. So I, and I, I, I grabbed the coffee and I walked out of the shop and I saw Dave there with, you know, some, a couple of his friends and so forth. And I acknowledged him. He, he acknowledged me back and I got into the car and I said, you know what, I'm going to stay here for a second. I want to see, how the environment is responding to Dave. And I just, you know, hung out for about five minutes and watched people do double takes and no one went over and interrupted him with his friends. Mm. Everyone that walked past respected, you know, here's another yeah. human being just being with friends. And so- I heard the same so you, thing. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, we, in Ojai, California, where I live, we have, it's so terrible, I can't remember his name, Jason something, from uh, How I Met Your Mother, the television show How I Met Your Mother, and he's a local here. And I see him quite frequently walking around the street, sitting down and having a beer, going to the cafe to have a coffee. And mostly mm-hmm. just people are gracious with him. Let him have his space. Let him, you know, people will say, hey, Jason. But he literally enjoys very kind of normal private life as a quite known celebrity in this town. And it's been that way for many people as well. Yeah, it's yes, great. Yes. Yes. So so there's that kind of celebrity. And there is a kind of celebrity where you can't walk through the mall. <laughs> <laughs> But most most people aren't going to experience that. And so that that's part of the work that I do and and helping others with their visibility is to work through those types of misconceptions and myths. That's really good. I'm wondering about, you know, I both mentioned being known for its own sake, you know, like fame or people might know me, but unless they know me for my help. Right. Unless they know me for Mm -hmm. what I bring, what I contribute, there's a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. In the work that you do with people, do you address in some way being known for your help, for your talent, for your skill versus fame? And if so, can you say something about that? Absolutely. One of the biggest parts of what I do with people is really to unearth what that value is Mm. because it may not be obvious what that value of help that someone may be. Do you have an example? And so, for example, you know, there will be an artist that believes, oh, well, people are, you know, coming to my page because of the photos that I put up there. Right. But in actuality, it is the authentic 
way that they are being in social media and sharing their journey and their struggles that actually is drawing people. Mm. And so as they show their own transformation in social media or in their lives, that that is the thing that is attracting people, Mm. not necessarily just the pretty picture or the nice voice. Yes. (laughs) And so part of the discovery is discovering, well, actually, what is it that you are helped for? Because if you are thinking that is your voice that is the help and it's actually your sharing who you are as a human being that is the help, then gosh, you know, that informs a different type of activity. That informs a different, you know, way of looking at how you talk about your life. The work that you do, do you find that I'm just reflecting on many of the people that I've connected with as celebrities over the years, whether or not they're singer songwriters, actors, and so forth. And I often do connect with those somehow on a personal level as if I identify with them or and it may not be their talent per se, but they let me in in some way, maybe in the way that they just really, you know, when they sing, they're just saying, this is me, I'm sharing myself. And you connect with it as yeah. opposed to somebody who's trying to do a performance, for example. Yes. Is yes. that what you mean? And is there anything else that's, to say about that's that? Ex- yeah, that's exactly what I mean. And the more open an artist is, the more it connects to the humanity of another person. Mm. And I would assert that the more open we are as human beings, the more we connect with other human beings. Mm. So it's not just the artist that they may be visible and then you can see it as on blast because it's on television or is, you know, millions of people are, are seeing that openness. But I would you know, assert that if you're in a small community or if you're in your family and you open yourself up to allow, you know, your full expression, that it will connect with the other person that's uh, observing that in a heartfelt way. And so whether you're CEO of the company and you're being authentic with your employees about some struggle that with a decision that you may have, that actually offers a demonstration of courage to express that vulnerability. You know, we as human beings, we connect to vulnerability because if someone's able to express vulnerability, it opens up the space for us to be human Mm. and not have a facade or play a role that we're not (laughs) in that way. Yeah. You know, it's good to have, have our hearts broken. It's good for me to have my heart broken because it allows me to access something deeper inside myself and connect with my own humanity and be able to appreciate something else about another person. And if we're operating from that space, oh my gosh, what's possible for the world if people allow themselves to be vulnerable? Beautifully said. Sounds like a great recipe for success for an artist, a businessman, a family man, a family person, you know, any, any of that. That's really great. And these lessons, some of the things that culminated in your early life with your mom, was this some of her teaching or something you discovered on your own? This is something that I discovered on my own. And through a lot of study of human behavior and social psychology and psychology and a lot of self-discovery and 
journaling and digging for what value I have to offer as a human being, as an artist, as a producer, as you know, someone that helps other people. It's come from a lot of failure, a lot of not having interactions go right <laughs> and what was missing and seeing, well, what was missing in that? Oh, what was missing is that, and that is they are me and they don't know that they're me yeah. because I didn't open my mouth and share how much I really can empathize because I've experienced that as well. If you'd like to know more about Influence Ecology and our approach, you can register for free 30-day guest access. During this time, you can test drive our interactive webinars, online learning system, and private mentorship. Program participation is by application only, and successful participants earn candidacy into our advanced program tiers. Our members are an international assembly of ambitious professionals, business leaders, and executives from a variety of countries, industries, and cultures. To find out more, you can find a link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word ambition to 805-262-9008 and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word ambition to 805-262-9008. Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. In this, where are they now? One of the things I'd like to ask about is your participation here. You've been participating for seven years. Just really is funny to me to think it's been that long or that short. I don't know which, but for anybody listening, why that length of time? Why are you participating? I mean, aren't you done yet? Aren't you cooked yet? Why are you still participating here? That kind of thing. I'd just love to hear what you have to say about it. Sure. So I really enjoy the community that Influence Ecology is. When I was going through the hospice situation with my mother last year, the amount of help that was available inside of the community from, you know, talking to a neuroscientist to the minister that's in the community to people that are working on legacy or like that, the type of conversations that were available just because they are expert in a particular area and I, they made themselves known to be of help. And so when I needed the help, I was able to reach out and it, it helped me really with my thinking around working through, you know, my mother's death and all of that inside of me, there is this desire to have the type of consistency inside of my studying and practicing and experiencing. And so when it comes to like the music industry, for example, I call myself a lifer. Mm. So I've been doing it my entire life and I love what I do. So I'm going to be doing it probably until like, you know, I physically can't do it. And if I can't physically do it, I'm by then I'll be able to use my mind and still do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
And then when I lose my mind, you know, there'll be an AI version of Marcus Bell Ringer Bell <laughs> that will be able to make those decisions based on all the decisions that I've made thus far yeah. in my life. Once I join community and, and I see that I continue to get value and I'm still able to contribute value, I like to stay in community. You know, it becomes home for me. And the participants inside of Influence Ecology have actually, you know, has become family. Yeah, me too. You know, it's become a family. And so whenever you have, you know, an extended period of time with people with rigorous study and people are going for their aims and people are experiencing life through all of that, you just develop a bond. So I'm, I'm bonded with you all. And, and now I'm looking forward to participating on the board to help make this available for more people like that. Yeah. With the Institute for Transactional Philosophy, we haven't addressed that on any podcast. So this is the first mention of it. But yeah, you're on the board for the Institute for Transactional philosophy, and that's going to be an institute dedicated to the research of the philosophy that is the foundation for all that we teach. I look forward to that meeting and for the work that we're going to be doing over the coming year or years. Years. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part is I'm a little bit of a geek. So I like studying philosophy and human behavior and personality and transactional Mm -hmm. behavior and all the you know, things that have been developed and are developing and emerging out of how the trainings are growing. And I'm applying all that I, you know, see fit to apply inside of the music industry and the way I've been developing the companies that I've created as well. Great. All right. Well, Marcus Bell, and maybe we'll do a, where are they now in another three years or 10 years or Something like that. I, I don't think it's the last time to, to have you on the podcast, but thank you so very much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And I wanted to find out if there's anything else that you wanted to say or anything else that we should know before we exit today. I just want to say to whoever's listening, wherever you are, wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in your life, really Allow yourself to be known, vulnerable, and become visible for the help that you are for other people. Great. Uplift humanity. What would it mean to be well-known in the industry, organization, or ecologies where you currently transact? What would your transactions produce if the people with whom you transact were seeking your attention and competing to do business with you rather than the other way around? Here's the talk. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the floor to talk a little bit about each of these so we can address these different conditions of your identity, the different states of being known or your known (laughs) Ness. <laughs> and yeah, in specific ecologies. Yeah, please. Yeah. So we just simply took a look at, with some research and study, we just took a look at what are the levels of knownness? How are we, how are we known? And especially as we enter into a particular discourse industry or so forth, we often find that we're simply unknown and it's valuable to recognize 
that we carry no identity of value and help. Now, you may have some recognition. And that's something to, to keep in mind. I, I can tell you in my Toastmasters organization, there are some people who they have recognition, they have some celebrity, but if you ask what value that they bring, it would be difficult to articulate that. And that's what we find a lot of times in organizations where people can't quite understand why the company doesn't value them. They don't recognize them in terms of something specific. They have no identity of value, help, or harm. And we'll talk about harm in just a little bit. The second area is somewhat known. So there is some knownness that a majority of the people in that ecology may have some idea from other narratives or some carry, some carried narrative that you bring some value and that's important to begin to recognize and that's an area to start, to become somewhat known in a particular ecology is the place to start. And to be known, in my mind, as being low cost and of high value is the narrative to produce. It's the activity produced. So you show up, you're valuable, and you're low cost. That is where you start to be, become known. So a majority of the people in that ecology know you, they've heard of you, they actually recognize you as someone who is of value. That means you're helpful and as specific as possible. They know to come to you for a specific kind of help, or they don't want to lose your help. They would do some harm if they did. Now, being well-known is a category that takes a little extra. We like to call ambition. A well-known is an identity that goes with a kind of character. It's an identity as a representation of your ethics, of the kind of power that you bring to a particular organization. If people who are well-known in one category are often invited to, or one company or one organization or industry or one discourse are often invited to participate in others. And invitations and offers expand, the better and well-known you are in one particular ecology. But notice that we're aiming toward a kind of concentration and focus. That's part of the how-to we'll get to in a minute. So being well-known as an identity of value and help, it really starts to weave into sort of the DNA and the character that you are bringing to a particular discourse or transaction. And then it's followed that that begins to be almost part and parcel of who you are. That the next step in being well-known is being so well-known that you're actually celebrated in that particular discourse. You're known in a particular way. Now, it could be that you're notorious. We, we've covered that in our other lectures. But in this case, we're talking about what it would mean to have an identity that is so associated with the constitutive aspect of that industry or that particular athletic endeavor or that particular philosophy, which is certainly the aim and the legacy I hope to produce, is to be so intertwined that it's almost woven into what it is. It, it's given by the embodiment and representation of what you produce as an enterprise as a philosophy or even as a person. And so the category there moves way beyond and the just simply knownness, but it becomes constitutive of the thing itself. So nobody gets there without being well-known. And that's the category that we're looking to produce here. We want to take a second also and make sure that we bring some clarity to the identity of value, help, or harm. We've used that particular phrase in most of those definitions of knownness 
So there's something to understand about these things. Value is simply the comparative worth of your resources. The comparative worth of your resources. There are people who offer very, very valuable resources and other people who don't, for example. I tend to look at things and you tend to look at things with a, a comparative eye. With, uh, well, that seems to be more valuable than this. That seems to be more useful than that. She seems to be more valuable here. He seems to be less valuable there. We tend to approach value from a comparative set of lenses. And so value for the first part is a comparative kind of worth of those resources, whether or not they're human resources, tangible or intangible resources. Secondly, help, by that we simply mean the offer of your resources or the offer of your solutions to specific breakdowns. One of the things that I did recently is I was attempting to make a move into a particular group of people. I located the person that I thought was the center of influence in this group of people. And I wrote an email to talk about the specific help I could be to a breakdown I knew they had. And rather than sort through meeting, you know, the people in this general ecology over the course of a year, 90 seconds later, I was invited to a lunch and now part of a rather important committee that moved me rather quickly because I offered help. I offered a very specific solution of help to a breakdown. Well, that piece right there is something that we teach, again, in our most fundamental program, our Fundamentals of Transaction program, that one of the things that in a general discourse, it seems like the right move to make is to simply say, how can I help you or how can I be of help? Now, that's better than nothing, okay? I mean, I'll take that if that's all you got. But I want you to think about where the cost ends up in an offer of help like that. If you come to me and say, hey, Kirkland, how can I help you? Then all of the cost and the effort and the energy is over here with me to assess all the things that I have to assess about you and your offer and your resources. All the work is on me now to think and to assess and to inquire accurately about what resources that you have. And I'll be doing my best guesswork without doing another set of inquiry to say, how can you help? The most powerful offer of help you could make is exactly how John demonstrated it. And that is a specific offer of help with the resources you have available. Hey, Kirkland, it, it looks like you're struggling with that heavy box. I'm actually a heavy box expert. Can I help with that box is a specific offer of help. And by the way, if you ever see me struggling with a heavy box, the answer is yes, come help me with a heavy box. That's a specific offer in a particular transaction, and that's what carries value. And that produces a particular kind of identity. Again, low cost, yeah. offer of help and value in an area that is of concern to a specific group of people, or as we say, a specific ecology. I'm thinking about, we lead a global conference. You're, you know, I'm standing up in front of a room of a bunch of people from around the world, and I've got to train the people that work with me to take care of me during the conference. Now, you can imagine 
if one of those people walks up to me and says, hey, can I get you anything? Or one of those people knows to walk up to me at specific points and say, could I get you a glass of water? Very, very different. Very different. I can say yes or no to that one. As soon as they say, can I get you anything? I got to now sort out what might I need and do I need anything right now? Am I get all that kind of stuff? It makes all the difference in the world. All right. Well, I'm going to do one other piece here. So we said an identity of value, help, or harm. The other thing about harm and the way that we use this and the way that we mean it is simply that if I remove my help, it produces a threat. That's the way to think about it. I certainly don't want to go around the world harming people. But one of the ways that I know that I'm valuable, that I know that my help is highly regarded, where I know my resources are worth a great deal, is that if I were to remove them, people would say, now, hold on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. No, no, no. We need you. The removal of your help produces threat. That's what we mean by that. And we find sometimes, I love this when we work with people, we work with customers, or we lead a particular topic on this piece, we'll say something like, hey, if you removed your help, would anybody care? And it's a real, gosh, you know, it's sometimes sad to watch Kirkland people go, God, you know, if I remove my help, I don't think anybody would notice. Yeah, that's what we find in people who do our programs at, you know, mid-level management or above, that sometimes the toughest part of the assessment process of their current standing in a transaction is to come face-to-face with the fact that they're not all that after all, that the kind of identity that they're producing doesn't match the identity they have in their own mind about a particular kind of transaction. My special thanks to our guest, Marcus Bell. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with him and all the links to websites, books, or downloads mentioned in this podcast. The Influence Ecology podcast is produced by Influence Ecology LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded May 23rd, 2019, and was produced by Tyson Crandall and me, John Patterson. You can find a transcript for this and other episodes at InfluenceEcology.com. This episode is made possible through the assistance of the Influence Ecology faculty, staff, mentors, and students around the world. Co-founder Kirkland Tibbles and our colleagues comprise an international collective of professionals who are active in the development of the philosophy of transactionalism and the discipline of transactional competence. Kirkland is considered a leading philosopher and authority in the field and has authored more than 500 papers on the subject, study, and discipline. This episode includes contributions by Carol Gregory. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring and titled Fast Train to Everywhere. You can subscribe to the Influence Ecology podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or via email at podcast at influenceecology.com. If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. (laughs) 